Super Talk Mississippi media production. What's the key to discovering delectable dining? Find something that sizzles. A time-tested favorite. A feast for your eyes and palate. And a dining experience handled with care. In Vicksburg, the key to the South. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi, covering Mississippi State like nobody else. With Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk of 24-7 Sports. Powered by Taylor Construction Equipment. Whether you're looking to rent, lease, buy, or for service, contact Taylor Construction Equipment today at taylorconstructionequipment.com. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffee House here in Starkville or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. It would be a little weird, Robbie, if uh, Brupolo was in Redwood. Yes, it would. That would be very weird. Nobody knows. Nobody. Red, Redwood sounds like it should be in California. It's not. Or like Oregon or something. It's not. Or there's actual Redwood. It, it isn't. It's in Mississippi. It is. And there's no Strangeburg there. There, you're right. And I, I don't really know what works. What would what, what would work there as far as Brewwood. The, the Brewwood. And yeah. Nobody wants red brew. That doesn't sound like a good idea. No. So, well, wherever you are in our fine state, if you're looking for coffee, you can have it every morning. You can have the same coffee we're enjoying in Starkville and Tupelo. It's just at strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. Go there, order it online to be shipped to your door. It's a great gift idea, too. You know, we're only about a month away from Mother's Day. Mothers need coffee. They need it. That's They, they got to have it. So perhaps to send them some would be a fine idea. Check it out, strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. College Corner, collegecornerstore.com is the place to find the maroon and white merchandise that you are looking for. They've got it all. They, it's, it's not just about clothes there, although they have a great selection of that. But they've got everything you need for the house, for the car, for your tailgate. You know, it's never too early to start planning tailgates. I mean, it's, it just never is. And if you want to you know, be, be the, the envy of the junction, you need to head over to College Corner and grab some of the great stuff that they have to make your tailgate stand out. Whatever it is, maroon and white, you're looking for. They've got it at College Corner. Restaurant Tyler, again, I checked. Nothing changed. Still the best restaurant in Starville since our last show. The best lunch in town. As far as that blue plate goes, nobody's even close. Best dinner in town. When you want to have a nice dinner out with the, with the family, with the wife, or just you know a special occasion, that's the, that's the place everybody's going to head to. And then on Sunday after church, if you're looking for brunch, look no further than Restaurant Tyler. Everything you want right there in one spot, right there at Maine and Washington. It's Restaurant Tyler. Priority One Bank, 16 locations to serve you throughout central Mississippi. We always talk about eat local. We talk about shop local, banking local, equally as important. If you are a Priority One Bank customer, you know all about the Priority One Bank app. You can do a lot more than just move your money around. Basically, everything you can do at a Priority One branch, you can do on your app. You need to find the Priority One Bank nearest you and start building a relationship with the people there because they will be the ones who take care of you later down the road when you're talking about getting a loan for your car, for your home, for your small business. You want to have that relationship, and they will build it with you at Priority One Bank. Let Priority One Bank 
make you their priority. Mississippi State heading over to Tuscaloosa after a sickeningly easy victory over the Grambling State Tigers on uh, on Tuesday at Duty Noble Field. Uh, 21-2 was the final score run ruled, as you might imagine. Um, I think I saw a video uh, from our friend Stefan who showed a 56-mile-per-hour pitch uh, coming at the Bulldogs from, from Grambling. I don't know that I've ever seen a video of a pitch. Now, we're talking about a video that was taken from an iPhone, what, 70 yards away from from the action, and you could literally see the ball as it leaves the hand and heads to the plate. Well, I, I feel confident I could get close to that. I, I, you know what? You're not wrong. I feel like if I if you put the radar gun on me, I could get above 60. I really yeah. do feel like I could. Now, I may be wrong but, you I know, I mean, off on this, but it just feels like I could. was likely his breaking ball, if I had to guess. He's probably throwing you know, maybe 75 God, miles an hour. <laughs> maybe it was a knuckle curve. Who knows? Sinking slurve. <laughs> it was Tim Wakefield was out there on the mound. <laughs> Well, regardless of all that, easy win for the Bulldog. And again, you know, when you're when you're losing games, any win is a good win. You know, just to see the ball go and come off the bat, just to see yourself getting outs, uh, not a lot of walks, not a lot of defensive lapses. You just take what you can get. And now you head to Alabama to play a team, you know, that started off pretty hot and then I think it was the last weekend, let me see if I can find their schedule here, the last weekend of non-conference play. Yeah, they were swept by Columbia. Uh, and then, so that was, you know, a bad start Bad start to that. And then going into conference play, they've lost two out of three uh, every weekend. Uh, they lost at Florida. And in a, in a series, honestly, they had a great chance to win two out of three, but they let it get away in the ninth of game two. Um, lost two out of three at home to Kentucky. And then last week on the road at Arkansas, uh, lost two out of three after taking the first game. Uh, they won in the midweek. They beat Troy uh, Tuesday night, uh, ten to two over there in Tuscaloosa. Now the Bulldogs will head there. So, so this is a an Alabama team. You know we're going to Portnoy them here. Ready? They're better than they've been in years past, but they're still not really a great baseball team. Even though they're twenty two and eight, and, and and you know right now would probably be in an NCAA tournament. This feels like a series where if State plays at its best, if they play at the level they played at against South Carolina in Game Two. They have a chance to get at least a game, but maybe two from the Crimson Tide here. And this is a series that, you know, even a, last year, State got the series win against Alabama. State's, you know, obviously dominated this series. They've just had better bat- baseball teams than Alabama has over the past five, six years. Next week, you play Ole Miss, and somebody's got to win that series. This is one where if you could, if you could find a way to win this series, Winning the series next week against Ole Miss, all of a sudden you're back in some discussions about, okay, they're going to get to Hoover and maybe they can find a way to do something, right? It's got to happen this week or it's not happening at all. Yeah. Um, I feel like we just like keep kicking the can down the road. Well, you know, if they win this series, you know, you just, well, and, until they actually start doing it, I just, you know, my, my thoughts are that they're, that they are what they are and this is going to continue to kind of unravel. But, mm-hmm. Here, the strange thing is, Brian. You know, last year didn't they? Didn't they beat Grambling? Wasn't it like two to one, one to nothing? Like in the first, like in the sixth inning or something. It two was. One. It was like a two one. 
Yeah, Lamona's brought that up on uh, Monday, Sports Talk Mississippi. They were asking about you know that game. He was like, "Well, I mean, last year was really close. It was two to one." So I want to say that game wasn't that the first midweek game last year. Like coming out of that that Long Beach State series, and they they just they just weren't playing well. Yeah, I can't remember exactly when it was, but like my point is, like you know, they lost to Samford. They were really bad in you know, Samford. They they lost to Tulane. Like, in non-conference play last year, you could kind of see things were, like, really bad for Mississippi State. They've kind of dominated these non-conference opponents. So, it's kind of weird that they haven't been able to look competent, for the most part, against a lot of these SEC teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's a b- big difference in Grambling and South Carolina, but if you're coming out and just pounding Sanford into the ground and Grambling and uh, Valparaiso and teams like that, you shouldn't look as bad as you do on the weekends when you have better arms throwing and, and things like that. But that they just haven't been able to transition to the to the weekend and have a good solid weekend. But you know, we we've seen you know the offense. Th- there's been times in the last couple of years where you know. Facing a soft toss and lefty, they come out there getting, you know, swinging in front of the ball or swinging late on it and not being able to time it up. And this year they've just absolutely destroyed these pitchers. So that, to me, that tells me that this team is is capable of being a great offensive team. You know, the starters come out and they really kind of pound the zone. They did that last night. They gave up a couple home runs, but, you know, Parker Sinnett, Tyson Harden, those guys were throwing strikes. So, it's like what what's happening on the weekend that's not allowing you to transition your mindset. Uh, I don't know, but this weekend is you know you're back in must win mode. I mean you can't keep dropping SEC games. They've got to make up some ground at some point, and we'll see if they're able to do that. Yeah, I mean, and I'm with you on the whole idea that you know until they do it, I can't really get too far behind this team. But it is so early in conference play, and they have played three of the best teams. If This is a series against a team that is not one of the top teams in the SEC. If you play at your best, you do have an opportunity here. So we'll see if that happens, but I'm totally with you in that. I do want to see it before I'm going to buy into anything. But these next two weekends are huge for Mississippi State. You know, you're playing Alabama and Ole Miss. You know, Ole Miss tied for last right there with you. Alabama, three and six, just a couple games in front of you. If you can get those two series, then you play Auburn, who hasn't been great either, you might have a chance in the final four weeks of the season to at least, you know, find your way to Hoover and go from there. And I'll be honest with you, and I've been thinking about this quite a bit. I think getting to Hoover, look, I think Foxhall's gone no matter what. I think Scott, I think Mississippi State will have a new pitching coach next year. But getting to Hoover might be enough to save Chris Lones. Yeah. And, you know, the the tricky situation with that is how do you convince a really good pitching coach to come mm-hmm. be your pitching coach at that point? Right. You're going to have to pay somebody a lot of money. Um, and, you know, State's able to do that. But I still think, you know, it's going to be difficult when you've had back-to-back tough years for Chris Lamonis. A lot of times that's just kind of duct tape for teams whenever they change coordinators or in, in baseball position coaches, pitching coaches, hitting coaches, whatever, that it, it kind of, you know, it kind of just delays the inevitable. But 
I myself and a you know from a you know personal standpoint, I want Chris Lamonis to succeed. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, I think he's a guy that I think he is a good coach. I think that he wants to be here. I think he has a lot of passion for this program, and I think right now he's just kind of falling on hard times. They haven't been able to really figure out the issues, but I do think pitching is a major issue for this team, and whatever is happening in the pitching lab or meetings or whatever is not working. So um, unless something drastically changes, it's, it's hard to imagine state just keeping status quo there. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, and I don't want Scott Fox, I don't want any of, the, any of these guys to lose their job, but it just kind of is what it is. You can't continue to put this product on the field yeah, um, I agree. and accept things to kind of stay the the way they are. No question about that, Robbie. No question about that. All right, let's move on into football. That's brought to you by our good friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council. Who want to remind you that beef it is what's for dinner. Whenever you're cooking out this weekend, throw some steaks on the grill and just you know, look. You can do whatever you want, but cook yourself a steak. You know, hey, I got chicken for the rest of y'all. Yeah. If you're the one working the grill, what are they going to say to you? You know, you're the grill master. Do what you want back there. But seriously, the family will thank you if you're putting steaks, burgers, or anything red meat on the grill. Check it out. Head to your grocery stores. Head to your butchers. Talk to those guys and get yourself set up for the weekend. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find smoked southern soul food. I haven't been there this week, and I said I was going to go, so I guess I'm going tomorrow. You want to go to get lunch tomorrow? Hmm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, a, that's a, a proposition that I might not be able to turn down. It's very intriguing, isn't it? Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. All right, we'll see if we can make that happen. That'll make me very happy if uh, that is the case. Because I, I got the Jones. I got the hankering for some smoked wings and a chicken chipotle taco. That's, that's what Brian wants. What Brian wants, Brian gets. So, I hope to see you there, and I hope to see you guys every time out at Two Brothers Smoked Meats and get some smoked southern soul food. Great products and great service is what every business likes to promise you, but uh, Advantage Business Systems, they prefer to deliver it to you. And they've got 48 years of experience doing just that. When you need technology for your business, when you need a copier, printer, laptops, computers, mailing systems, whatever it is, They've got you covered at Advantage Business Systems. And then, if you do need service, you get to call them back. You don't call a 1-800 number. You don't talk to somebody overseas who's got you on hold for 30 minutes. You don't talk to an out-of-state consultant who has to make an appointment to be there in a week, 10 days. No, you talk to the same people who made you the sale. And you've already built that relationship with. Again, building relationships. That is one of the most important things with dealing with local businesses. They've got you covered on that at Advantage Business Systems. 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. The Rogue and their collegiate collection. You know, I'm going to start. I'm going to go another way here. We always talk about the collegiate collection at the Rogue, and it's awesome. It's fantastic. But, I mean, we're talking about the Rogue here. This is one of the top men's clothing stores, not only in the state of Mississippi, but across the entire Southeast. So whatever look you're going for, the Rogue has got something for you. If you need a nice new suit, you're looking for polos they've got great a great shoe selection they've got it all but then on top of that is the collegiate collection the best collection of polos and quarter zips for mississippi state old miss and southern miss fans in the state of mississippi great name brands fantastic looking shirts and they've got the logos 
that you want. So check them out at therogue.com or shop at the Rogue in Jackson. Don't live the three-stripe life. Shop at the Rogue. This weekend, if you're looking to do something a little bit different, check out Luva at 509 University Drive. I, I, I say it's a, a Starkville's best-kept secret, but that secret is getting out. Every time I drive past on an evening, there's there's folks out front enjoying a great time at Luva, looking through that incredible wine list, having a craft cocktail, and having some fantastic food. It's a great experience. It's different than almost anything else in Starkville. You want to check it out if you haven't already. Head over to 509 University Drive and have a great evening at Luva. We've got two spring previews today, Robbie, and I wanted to talk about these because they are important games for Mississippi State every year, Arkansas and Auburn. Um, Arkansas, you know, State has won, won last year, had dropped the previous two games, and that was, you know, that ended a, a pretty long stretch for the Bulldogs of being able to to dominate the Razorbacks. Prior to that, they had only lost once in the previous, I think, seven games. Um, Auburn is a series that, you know, we talk about it all the time, that if you ask the average college football fan who is you know who who has been dominant over the last decade in this series, they probably would all say Auburn, and it's been really close. I think it's split over the last ten. State's won the last two, including uh, two years ago at Auburn. Both of these games on the road this year for the Bulldogs. Two very different teams, too, with Arkansas. Arkansas brings back K.J. Jefferson and Rocket Sanders. That's one of the best duos in the country. Auburn, on the other hand, with Robbie Ashford, you don't really know what that's going to look like. You know, Can he be the passing threat they need? Tank Bigsby is gone, so does Jarquez Hunter. Is he just going to be the guy for Auburn this year, or do they have to find another guy to compliment him? I don't know the answer to that. So these are both big games for Mississippi State. As we said here in the spring, before we know too much about these teams, which game do you favor Mississippi State more in? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I would say probably um, Auburn, maybe. Just because new coaching staff, what are they going to do at quarterback? I mean, I – I get the impression that Hugh Freeze is not like super comfortable with Robbie Ashford. So you know, I I don't know what they're if they if they're coming out running Hugh Freeze's offense. I'm not entirely sure Robbie Robbie Ashford can right. run that offense. Right. So I, you know, I, that would probably be the one. But that's both places are tough to play. Mm-hmm. Um. Gosh, I mean, because Arkansas returns back Rocket Sanders, they bring the quarterback back, KJ Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but changes on offense, new offensive coordinator. So that's true. And the defense, too, new defense, lost some good players. Yeah. And their defense was not great last year either, by was the not, way. Was not. I don't know. Maybe uh, Arkansas might be the pick. That's the good news for Mississippi State, right? Is like as we sit here in in April, you look at those games. You're like, those are both games you think state a veteran state team can win. Rogers has been to both of those places. He, he won at Auburn two years ago, and honestly, he played one of his best games of the season at Arkansas in 2021. Uh, just you know, so the defense, some special teams errors, and of course, some officiating got in the way of victory there. So. Let's talk about Arkansas first. I spoke earlier today with Hogsports.com's Trey Biddy. He's the uh, 24-7 guy covering the Razorbacks. Let's get his thoughts on what's going on in Fayetteville in year, gosh, it's hard to believe, but it's year four of Sam Sam Pittman. Let's make our next stop here on the spring wraparound around the SEC. We're talking about the Arkansas Razorbacks today, which means we're talking 
to Trey Biddy from 247sports.com, who's been uh, covering the Hogs for quite a long time uh, over there. And Trey, Arkansas is a team last year that I was really high on. Uh, I predicted them second in the West at SEC Media Days. I really thought they were about to take a, a big step forward under uh, Sam Pittman, and it, it just didn't work out. Injuries and just a lot of other factors contributed to Arkansas not having that 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 takeoff season. Now they've got some changes offensively, defensively. You know, we we sort of knew that Bryles and and Odom at some point were gonna were gonna leave for greener pastures. Odom is now a head coach. Bryles, I'm a little surprised took the TCU job, but that's another conversation. How where are they going to be more different this year, offensively or defensively at Arkansas? I think defensively, I think that would be the hope. I mean, offensively, last year they were they were still pretty good. I mean, especially considered you didn't have KJ Jefferson for two games. Uh, he was really hobbled and probably shouldn't have played in another game. They lost all three of those. Uh, injuries will get you. If you don't have a lot of depth in this conference, and Arkansas unfortunately didn't have a situation at quarterback where you look at the next guy and say, that's that's the guy of the future. You know, they just didn't have that. So they really struggled when they didn't have KJ Jefferson. Really got beat up badly on the back end and the secondary. Uh, you know, going in last year, you, you look at him and say, hey, they've got some pretty good depth there. And then they just get slammed with injuries. And fast forward to the end of the season, and they've given up more passing yards than any other team in the entire country. So they needed some change. I know, you know, with with uh, Barry taking a, the UNLV job and and Bryles taking uh, the other job uh, to TCU, uh, but you know, on defensive uh, defense especially, they just they needed they needed a change and they needed something uh, fresh to come in, and and that's where they turned to Travis Williams at UCF. Uh, I, I'm really intrigued with Marcus Woodson also coming in from Florida State. You look back uh, the year before Marcus Woodson got to Florida State, they were one of the worst pass defenses in the nation. And last year, they were fourth in the nation. Uh, so he led a dramatic turnaround as passing game uh, defensive coordinator uh, for Florida State. And Arkansas wants a piece of that. They want, you know, any improvement – uh, on on defense is is probably going to go a long way for them, but I think that's where you'll see most of the changes. Arkansas really ran a three two six look uh, primarily uh, under Barry Odom, and now you'll see them go more of an even front four two five. Probably going to be very aggressive. I think that's where you'll see a lot of change, but also on offense, it may be more nuanced. You know, it may just be how they run. You know, outside zone a, a little bit different, a little bit. You know. Just a little change here and there. Um, but you could also see them get under center more. You could see more two tight end sets. Um, I'm, you know, I'm kind of talking myself into maybe you see more change on offense. But, um, you know, results-wise, you definitely need to see more changes on defense. Offensively, uh, you know, you, you'll, you'll take the results that they had last year and just, you know, if you can keep that pace, then you should have a much better team. So then when you talk about this spring, what is the big focus for Arkansas defensively? Where is the spot where you, I mean, I know pass defense is probably the answer, but can you go more micro than that and say, where do they absolutely have to get better starting this spring? Well, they have to get better at safety. You know, the cornerback, they weren't in awful shape. You know, they, they actually had Quincy McAdoo starting at one of the corner spots last year, who was a true freshman wide receiver came to Arkansas as a four-star wide receiver. They moved him over just out of need. That just shows you how bad they were beaten up back there. And it also shows you, you know, they lost a lot of defensive backs to the transfer portal. Guys that couldn't beat out a freshman wide receiver that was moving over to the position and ended up starting the last four games. So, I mean, just because they lost a lot of guys, you know, it doesn't mean that they didn't need to lose a lot of guys. Uh, But, 
you know, at cornerback, I think they're in pretty good shape. It's just it's safety that I would say is a concern. Uh, I didn't think Jaden Johnson had a great season last year. I thought he took a step back. Malik Chavis has been up and down through his career. Hudson Clark moved over from corner to safety again out of necessity and actually ended up being better there. Um, you know, they brought in Al Walcott from Baylor, who was the second leading tackler there. Baylor had the second best pass defense in the Big 12. They also brought in Lorando Johnson from Baylor, who also started there at cornerback. Uh, I think that they're going to have to move some things around to get some of those corners over to safety probably because they have Dwight McLaughlin back, um, who was second in the SEC with four interceptions. Quincy McAdoo, who I just mentioned. Lorando Johnson, who started for Baylor last year, former four-star prospect. All three of those guys were former four-stars. Uh, they got Jalen Braxton in who is the top recruit in the class, a four-star. He's an early enrollee. Um, they've got uh, Ladarius Bishop, who was hurt all of last year, who started in 2021. He's finally healthy and working his way back in. And Jaheim Singletary's coming in, a former 2022 five-star recruit out of Georgia who hit the transfer portal. He's also coming in. So that seems like you're in pretty good shape, at least on paper, at cornerback, but the safety numbers aren't as good. I think Al Walcott will probably play nickel for him about 6'2", 215, um, but they've got to find – they've got to get some help at safety. And uh, they've been – you know, spring is the time to audition people, and they've rotated guys in and out and tried different looks and stuff. But I really think this answer is going to come when they get Jaheim Singletary in and they, they you know, maybe more in fall camp when they say, okay, how do we get our best five out there? Because safety and cornerback – isn't all that different anymore. You don't see a lot of 215-pound safeties anymore. They're more yeah. 200, you know, and 6'2", 200 or so is a good size safety. Well, cornerback, you don't see a lot of 5'9", 5'10", corners anymore. They've, they've all gotten bigger, 6'1", 6'2", 190, 200. So they all kind of look the same, and they actually treat that whole group the same. They all go in the same meeting room. Marcus Woodson isn't listed as a cornerback or safeties coach, neither is Deron, Darren Wilson. They're listed as secondary coaches. They rotate around working with different groups, um, you know. So that's going to be an interesting, you know, part of the puzzle, figuring that out on defense, who goes at safety, who stays at cornerback. And I still think numbers-wise they need to they need to attack the transfer portal when the, when the portal window opens on April 15th. Um, need to probably bring in a couple of more defensive backs at least. I always say when you have a, a good quarterback, things can pretty much take care of themselves offensively. I think K.J. Jefferson right now, I mean, when we go to media days in July, it should be the first-team All-SEC quarterback. I think Rocket Sanders, right, the first team will be one of the first two first-team All-SEC running backs. I, I don't think I'm, I'm going out on a limb saying that's probably the best QB running back duo in the SEC. Is it the best in college football? Yeah, that would be interesting if you had uh, Rocket Sanders, uh, Quinshaw Junkins, KJ Jefferson, that's 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 a good chance that could be it. You know, Jaden Daniels might have some say in there too. Yeah. Um, but uh, sorry, what was your question? That, I would take that backfield in in, in yeah. all circumstances. Is is yeah. that are Jefferson and Sanders the best duo in college football? It's possible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's it's, it's probably a good chance of that. Um, you know, I'm trying to think. Just run it through my head real quick. You know, whoever Jackson Dart and Quinshawn Judkins be yeah, pretty Dart, good. Dart not as good as Jefferson, in my opinion. And I don't. I don't think so either. Yeah, so I don't they, think they so either. There and then you know, I mean, obviously, we don't know what they got at Alabama. Stroud mm-hmm. has gone from Ohio State. So, I mean, there's a real. There's, I mean, it feels like that's a real talking point there. And I'm. I'm, I'm I don't feel like yeah. I'm, I'm too far out on the limb. 
No, I don't, I don't think you are. And, you know, the thing about Jefferson also is he brings legs into the equation. You know, he can, he could be a thousand yard rusher if he really wanted to, you know, uh, but he, he's going to re- at least run for 500 yards. And, you know, uh, 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 Rocket Sanders went for over 1400 yards last year, only had like 65 yards in the last two games. He was hurt the bowl game. He only had three carries, uh, in that one. But, uh, yeah, I think Arkansas's backfield's in pretty good shape with Jefferson, uh, Rocket Sanders. They've got two other really good backs in uh, in uh, AJ Green and Rashad DeBinion. Also, Dominic Johnson was uh, a really solid back for him two years ago, but uh, has had some ACL issues. They've got a four star back in uh, Isaiah Agustave coming in from Florida, who's really well regarded. And you know, it's it. We'll see what happens up front on the offensive line. This is the first year on the offensive line that they haven't that they've had to experiment and figure out who goes where because they've always had at least four returning starters every year. Uh, so, But they've recruited extremely well. I mean, you would expect that from Sam Pittman to recruit well in the offensive line. They have brought some really big young men uh, in this program, and right now they're flip-flopping them and you know trying guys at different spots. You, you've got two guys back from last year who are both multi-year starters, but you know everywhere else is it's, it's kind of a youth movement. Arkansas towards the bottom of the conference last year in sacks allowed. I think a lot of that, you know, when Jefferson w- was out, you know, they didn't have the same mobility back there. Even with with, with uh, oh god, I can't remember his name. It, it just went out of my head. Who is it? The, Malik Hornsby. Malik Hornsby. I played great yeah. at Mississippi State, but a lot of design runs with him, and then you know, not the same awareness in the pocket in the passing mm-hmm. game. Offensive line, you know, I, I would expect that to not be a struggle under Sam Pittman. Now, you feel like that's the guy who's really going to focus on that, but it was at times last year for Arkansas. Will they be better up front this year? I think they should be. I, I think that they, the guys, it's kind of been like the guys that they've had there have been older, established veteran players. And, um, you know, that's just the young guys that they brought in have been all very highly recruited massive i think if you took the last year's offensive line the backup group last year that might have been the biggest offensive line in college football yeah. it was just a huge group you know you have devon manuel who's six eight six nine um you know he's he's battling over at the left tackle spot i, I could see them maybe moving brady latham from left guard where he started going on four years uh i could see them bumping him over to left tackle i feel like they're a little more guard heavy this year uh, but you got Takias Crawford, who was very highly regarded, Marion Harris, very highly regarded, Andrew Shambly, very highly regarded, Patrick Kudis, uh, another guy that was very well regarded. I mean, like, they have not recruited, you know, projects on the offensive right. line or taken a flyer on a guy. It has been, you know, one real stud after another. And they've got, I would say there are probably eight or nine guys right now that are legitimately battling for starting jobs, like easily could start and and be solid player in the SEC. So they're they're in good shape. It's just guys aren't proven yet. All right, we're going to ask this question of everybody we talked to. This will be the last question. If I were we were doing this interview at the end of November, what what are we saying about Arkansas? What what would you what do you think the final product's going to look like? Yeah, well, I think there's a chance that they finish strong. I wonder about the way the schedule sets up for them. There is a stretch after the first three games uh, that are home games where they're not home for five weeks. And, I mean, it's like it's it's just kind of ridiculous that the schedule shaped up like that. They have a game in Arlington that kind of messes it up. And then after that, they, I think they get Mississippi State and Fayetteville and then a bye week. And then it's off to Florida, which they've played Florida 
this will be four out of the last five trips, uh, four of the last five meetings against Florida that they've played in Gainesville. Sounds like state and Georgia. State hasn't state's played in Athens. I think three of the last four. Yeah, because of the way because of yeah. new teams entering the conference and they yeah. have to redo the schedule and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's just it's bizarre. But uh, I think at the end, I think we'll probably say that they finished uh, strong. Maybe hit a hiccup in the middle of the season, but uh, I, I think that they should absolutely. I mean, they should have won at least eight games last year. There's no yeah. excuse losing to Liberty. They shouldn't have played KJ Jefferson in that game. Uh, but they didn't have a real good op- option for backup, you know, last year, and they do now. Uh, but I, th- I think eight wins is is a reasonable expectation for them next year and a strong finish. Sounds about right to me. So, all right, Trey Biddy, Hogsports.com. It's the Arkansas 24-7 site. Always generous through time, man. Appreciate you uh, coming yep. on today. Appreciate you. Thanks. Have a good day. All right, thanks to Trey for his time. Really appreciate that. He thinks Arkansas can be an eight-win team. It's a tough, tough schedule for the Razorbacks. If they're an eight-win team, that's they're probably pretty close to maxing out their potential. But they do have a long way to go, especially defensively. They've got to find a way to be better uh, against the pass, especially. You remember last year, they were one of the worst teams in the country uh, defending against the pass. And Mississippi State really had a field day with them uh, here in Starkville. That game, you know, K.J. Jefferson didn't play. And I think you can go back and say, look, if Jefferson had played, they probably would have put some more points on the board. But they couldn't stop Mississippi State that day at all. And State would have, I still think State wins the game relatively easily, even with KJ Jefferson. And, you know, I, like, we, we didn't really know what to expect from Malik Hornsby. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we knew that he couldn't throw the ball that, that well, at least. I don't, I don't really think that State was prepared to have to stop just the straight up. And read option, his scrambling ability, and all that stuff. Don't forget that uh, he didn't start that game. I, I forget that's the true. Kid, the kid's name who started the game, but he went one series. State sacked him, and he threw a terrible incompletion. And Arkansas was like, "We've got to go with the run game here. This isn't going to work." I th- isn't that kid the the brother of the volleyball player who's coming with Ryland Go Goaty, his fiance? I'm pretty sure that's right. I don't know. Isn't her last name Lofton? Um, maybe so. I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. Yeah, very athletic family. I forget what was his name, like Cade Lofton. Yes, Cade Lofton. Yes. Well, there you go. So there you go. Um, you know, I like State's chances. Obviously, State's going to be a lot more balanced offensively this year. But that's a, State, his name is Cade Fortin. So Fortin. Okay, her name is Fortin. It's. I'm telling you, that's her, that's 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 her brother. I'm. I'm well, that I'm makes sense. Fun. He's from. Uh, he's from Georgia. Yeah. Um, All right. State ran the ball effectively in this game, though, a year ago. I mean, I remember Dylan Johnson had a couple of touchdowns. I I feel like State will be able to move the football in Arkansas when they get them up there, and it's just going to be a question of defensively, can you slow down Jefferson and Sanders? And then their passing game is kind of an unknown to me. You know, two years ago when they had Traylon Burks, they were great. Last year they took a step back. You know what can they do this year? Do they, I don't think they have a Burks on this roster, but I think they can they can be better passing the ball, and they're going to have to be if they want to get to that eight win mark that that Trey was talking to us about. And you know they lost their offense coordinator, obviously, and Kendall Browse, mm-hmm. and their secondary guy, their secondary offensive yeah. guy who went to South Carolina. Noel Lo- Logan's is that his name? He's the new uh, guy at South Carolina, though. You're correct. Yeah, something like that. Uh, Close enough, yeah. So you're talking about pretty much a complete overhaul offensively. And I I imagine the offense is going to be similar concepts. 
Yeah. They're probably a guy that can that knows how to utilize KJ Jefferson's strengths. They're probably going to be um, centered around the run game and use, utilizing the tight end. They like the tight end. That it's the it's going to to mirror what uh, Sam Pittman wants. And while he's kind of like a CEO type. It has been said that he meddles a little bit, and he's he has his thoughts on the offense because he's an offensive line coach. And at their core, the offensive line coach is like the center of an offense. You're coaching more people on, on a single play than anybody else on the field, and everything revolves around the offensive line. So the offensive line coach, to me, is almost like an offensive coordinator in itself. So, you know, he, he probably has his thoughts on the offense and he's not going to go hire somebody that's got a completely different thought process than he does. So I'm not sure. I mean, who, who is the, who is the OC? I mean, I, I don't even know. I haven't even really um, researched it to be honest with you. Uh, currently it's Dan Enos back in Arkansas. Know, wasn't he there before? Yes. He was there with uh Bielema. Okay, so yeah, that's going to be a guy that's probably going to be. That's a, I mean, that's a different heavy run offense. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and and a lot less, you know, the the formations that Bryles like to use and the the tempo. You know, Enos is not really that guy, so it's going to be a different look for Arkansas this year, especially very different look for Auburn this year with Hugh Freeze coming in. We know the style of offense he likes to play. I think you sort of you hit on it there with Ashford. You know, can he run that? Let's go to our interview now. I talked earlier to Nambias Wilborn. He covers the Tigers for AL.com. Let's hear what he had to say about what's going on on the, on the Plains this spring. Let's head out to Auburn for our second uh, spring preview of the show. Nubias Wilborn covers him for the Tigers. One of my favorite interviews in all of the SEC. This is a guy who, who brings good information. Nubias, obviously, when you look at Auburn, Hugh Freeze coming in. You know, I, I remember Hugh Freeze's first year at Ole Miss, and he took over a team that was, I feel like, from a roster situation, was in a much worse shape than this Auburn team is. And he got them to a bowl in year one. I, I don't have, you know, I'm, I'm not saying Auburn's going to win nine, ten games this year, but I have pretty reasonably high expectations for this Auburn team. I think they'll be competitive. I think they can win seven or eight games. Just looking at them on the surface this spring, what do you see from them? I mean, it's. It's really tough to gauge, right? Because the question you really got to ask if you're looking at Auburn, you're looking at this team, it really starts with the quarterback. Do they have what they believe to be is a viable quarterback that can win SEC football games? If the answer to that question is yes, then sure. We're talking about a team that, you know, you look at the start of the season, you look at starting out against UMass and Cal, I mean – you look at the schedule, I mean, it's possible that they could be a good ball club if they have a quarterback that they feel they could win SEC football games when it matters. If they don't have that, either on the roster or somewhere they can find in the portal, it could be a tough grind. It, it could be a really tough go. I mean, you know, you look at you look at this team, you think about you start with UMass, you start with Cal out there. You start with Samford before you get to Texas A&M, the fourth game. I mean, and then, of course, you play – you host Georgia, which is important. You don't have to go to Samford. You do have to go to Texas A&M. So you, you, you get a chance to get off to a good start, okay? At least 3-0 going to the Texas A&M game. 
who knows what Texas Texas A&M is going to look like considering what they were last year. Um, Auburn beat them last year in the Cadillac game, of course, you know, that whole thing with Cadillac Williams being the head coach, first time at home, crazy environment. What is it going to be out there in college station? Who knows? You come back with Georgia, and then you get a bye before you uh, go to Baton Rouge, okay? So, in summary, it could be really interesting where this team got to a good start, or it could get ugly. I don't know which way because I don't know for certain if Auburn has a starting quarterback that's going to be a viable candidate to win games. Do you think Auburn's going to look into the portal again once the spring is over and everything opens back up? Or are they going to just go with Ashford or Finley and sort of hope Freeze can work some of the same magic you worked with Bo Wallace at Ole Miss? I mean, they're going to, I mean, they're going to look in the portal. Yeah, they're going to look in the portal. Now, whether they get something, I don't know. Because I don't – I mean, because how can you know who's going to be in the portal right now, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, there's so many camps going on. It's hard to keep up with what everybody's doing. I mean, and then, again, with a quarterback, I mean – if he's in the portal, he's in there for a reason, right? Like, Caleb Williams isn't going to go in the portal, is he? <laughs> I hope not. I, I hope mean, he doesn't end up at all for Jays, at least. Then the, no, I'm just saying, one. I mean, Goodness. like, I'm just saying, like, typically speaking, if the guy's in the portal, especially after spring football, most likely he lost his position battle, right? I mean, mm-hmm. is, would that be a fair, a fair assessment to make for the most part? Yeah, absolutely. So is the guy who lost his position battle at, you know, another Power Five school, is he going to be better than Robbie Ashford or TJ Finley? I, I I don't know that answer, and that's the hard thing. You don't know, but is he going to look? Yeah, of course. I mean, he he has been very consistent in saying that. Hey, his his job is to always recruit somebody better than what's already on his team. So he's always going to be looking. He tells his players that. He's very clear about that. He is the definition of ABC, always recruiting, and it's what it is. So he's going to look. Will he find what he's looking for? I don't know. I mean, hell, I mean, Auburn last year, Zach Calzada was in the portal. They got him. Thought that was going to be something. Never played it down. We saw it happen with Ashford, and then you had Finley in the portal, what, two years ago. And you saw it happen with Finley. So how do you know? How many, and if you also look at it, Okay, maybe the Slovis kid has done pretty well, but how many portal quarterbacks have you seen that get there? I guess oddly enough, maybe one of the better ones has been Bo Nix, who left all. Yeah. So, Darn Ole Miss was was okay. Like, it was good last year, I thought. Right, right, right. That's what yeah. I'm saying. But, but you get what I'm saying, like yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Old Auburn is a team that, you know, year in, year out, you think of Auburn, you think of running backs. They've always had great ones. I love Jarquez Hunter, a Mississippi kid, but he was part of a, a great duo with Tank Bigsby last year. Is he set up to be the main guy this year, or are they going to try to find a complimentary piece to go with him? Well, I think the thing is, uh, Hugh Freeze already said the other day, he said, hey, man, I think Jarquez Hunter might be the best running back I've coached. You know what wow. I'm saying? Yeah. And he said that publicly and put that on wax. So very, very strong statements about him about um, my man Jarquez. And, yeah, I think he's going to be the guy. Um, they have this guy, this kid, Batty, out of USF. And let me tell you something. That team he was on last year wasn't any good, but that kid is a bad man. Small, but exceptionally fast. Um, he will be a, your home run hitter guy. 
curious to see how Damari Austin grows up. And then you get the uh, freshman Jeremiah Cobb coming in. So I think running back will be a, a, a point of strength for Auburn, especially as that offensive line starts to gel together. They definitely revamp that group. I mean, I expect Auburn to have the ball on the ground quite a bit, and I think that it's going to be led by Hunter. And, yeah, I'm expecting a 1,000 yards at least from him this year. Auburn up front last year, not great. Uh, did, did not do a great job project, protecting their quarterbacks. You know, in the SEC, games are won and lost in the trenches. Do you think Auburn's improved on the offensive line this year? Well, yes, from what I've seen, again, they went into the portal heavy. They went out and got three legitimate guys from – Mostly group of five guys, but good players from these schools. Gunnar Britton from Western Kentucky. You got the Avery Jones kid from Tulsa who's the center, which also helps out a lot to be Wade. That helps out a lot because he played center under Philip Montgomery, who now is the Auburn offensive coordinator. Okay? And then you got Tutal, um, Xavion, the Juco kid. I mean, hey, man, they went out and got some talent to go across that offensive line. And I do think they're going to be better. Now, how they gel together, we will see, because you get guys learning different languages, different play calls, different schemes, different footwork and all that stuff. But I think with Jake Thornton as offensive line coach and what Hugh Freeze wants to do on offense, I think you'll see a significant improvement from offensive line. On the other side of the ball, you know, Auburn is you know defensively through the years has always been a, a team that you know big plays, sacks, interceptions, turnovers. Towards the bottom of the league and all of those stats uh, a season ago, who on this defense can be a big play magnet? Especially now that the guy who was probably the most responsible for that, Derek Hall, is off to the NFL. Well, I mean, I think it's going to be a by committee situation because yeah, I mean, when Patriot Derek Hall is tough, also losing Oa Papo on the offensive line, but, I mean, you look at that secondary. They got some guys, right, as far as Donovan Kaufman, that whole crew, as far as how much Craig McDonald, those safeties and those corners. They're not deep there, but they're experienced. I am also very curious if Wesley Steiner can step it up a little bit and see how he continues to develop. Um, He seems to be a young man who is ready also to kid Elijah McAllister, the Vanderbilt transfer, okay? This guy was a two-time captain at Vanderbilt, been around a lot, knows the SEC fairly well, looking forward to seeing how he adjusts. So there's a lot of names that you will hear as time goes on. I think they're going to be improved on defense. I think they're going to be a more balanced defense than they've been previously. This is the question I'm asking everybody we do these previews of uh, at the end of these interviews here. Let's look back. Let's look ahead. You know, so pretend we're at the end of November. What are we saying about this Auburn team? That Hugh Freeze knows where he is. He knows what program he's coaching. Um, he has been able to adapt to the culture very quickly. And I think this will be an Auburn team that will surprise people. All right. I'm looking forward to seeing the Tigers this year with Hugh Freeze. I think, like I said, I think year one, transition year can be good, but then next year, I, I'm going to have high expectations for the Tigers. We'll see how it all pans out for them. Nemias Wilborn, AL.com. I always appreciate you coming on with me. Thank you, man. All right. Thanks to Nemias. Appreciate his time. 
Auburn, you know, everything is kind of is kind of new there for them. So it's a transition year. But I remember, you know, I'm old enough to remember Hugh Freeze taking over an Ole Miss team that I feel was in much worse roster shape than this Auburn team is. And he got them to a bowl in year one, went six and six, beat Mississippi State, beat Auburn, beat Arkansas, uh, had some good had some good wins that year. I, I'm not going to be surprised at the end of the day when Auburn finds its way to six, six, seven wins and back into a bowl game this year. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine Hugh Freeze just completely, you know, struggling. Right. Um, he's been consistent everywhere he's been and hasn't had a ton of years where he's just been, you know, really bad. Um, matter of fact, I mean, 2016 is probably one of his worst seasons, I would guess, uh, when he was at Ole Miss. I mean, he won eight games, I think, every year at Liberty and um, played some good competition for the most part there, too. I think he'll have the the players that he'll be competitive. The question is going to be how competitive, you know, is he, is he going to be a 7-8 win guy, or can he get this team to 10 wins? I, I don't know. They, they're returning some guys. They got, they got some dudes on the offense. The big question, again, to me is what's going to happen at the quarterback position? Um, that's kind of where everything really revolves for me, especially in the SEC. I mean, when you're when you're playing on this level, you've got to have uh, a bona fide QB and running the offense that he wants to run. I don't know if you can get that kind of production from um, Robbie Ashford. And I mean, who TJ Finley? I mean, we we neither you nor I. Not very high on him. I mean, I don't know of anybody else that can come in there and, and really take over a quarterback in the SEC and do what he wants to do. But yeah. who knows? And a change of offense that might that might fit TJ Finley or, or Robbie Ashford, I don't know. I mean, I they mean, could take a step forward too. Again, we have to go back, you know, to, to freeze at Ole Miss and year one with Bo Wallace. Nobody thought Bo Wallace was going to come in and, and be – the kind of player he ended up being for Ole Miss and being a three-year starter and, and 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 you know setting a lot of records for them. So if he can do that there, I, th- I think he, you know, he can definitely elevate Finley and or Ashford. It's just going to be are they good enough to play in the SEC? The other side of the coin, defensively, it, it was surprising to look and see Auburn middle of the pack in sacks, near the bottom of the league in turnovers. This is this is Auburn. You know, that's a defense that either years has been known for for big plays. Defensively, they have to be much better this year. The question is, I don't, I don't know that they have the same. They, they don't have the talent that they use that, that Auburn is used to having defensively. Yeah, I mean they lost some big ones last year. Derek Hall's gone. That yeah. he was kind of the the straw that started the drink for them. Yeah. So you know, I know that they went in the portal for a couple of guys. They had a solid recruiting class. You know, DJ James is is pretty good at uh, cornerback. That'll be one of their guys in the back end of the secondary. That I think. Uh, should be pretty good. But other than that, I mean, there there's a lot to prove there for them on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I'm just I'm trying to. I mean, they're probably going to have to ask some true freshmen to come in right away. They they did sign a solid true freshman class, but I don't I don't know if they're going to be able to make up that kind of ground in year one. Plus, I mean, I, I'm not just blown away by the defensive staff. And some of these, some of the st- staff members, like you know, Ole Miss from 2015, 
it's like some of the same same staff members that he had then. And like mm. Crime Dog is back with them. Like yeah. I you know, I, I just I'm not super blown away with his staff from like a coaching perspective. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same Recruiting, time, yeah, but at the same time, you know, he's 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 got the guys that he's comfortable with and he's won with them before. So maybe, you know, maybe that's just the right formula for him. So we'll see. Uh, th- these are two teams that, you know, they could surprise in both. I, I, you know, Arkansas getting to eight would be a lot. I think that would be, that's like I said, that might be their ceiling. Auburn at seven, that feels like a great season for Auburn in year one under uh, Hugh Freeze. But the, 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 for, from our perspective, these are both games Mississippi State needs to find a way to win if they want to have the season they, are, they would like to have in 2023. It's kind of a brutal schedule for Auburn. It is. Well, I mean, um, you got to go to the West Coast to play Cal. Yeah. And then you got to go on the road to play AM, LSU, Arkansas. You got Alabama at mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. Georgia at home. Those are probably two losses. You got Ole Miss at home. You, you could win that ball game. So, I mean, it's not a, it's not going to be very easy for them to, to pick up like eight wins. Right. But it's one of those deals like, you know, this is this is definitely a mulligan year for him. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, the, nobody's going to put the pressure on him to, to if, win. If they're right in the Liberty Bowl at the end of the year, everybody's going to be okay. Yeah. And then you move forward. And then now next year, it's because it's Auburn, next year you need to be pushing for nine-plus wins. But I think a year of, of getting everything settled into the transfer portal to get some guys and a year of recruiting, and they're going to be just fine. I'm just, you know, I, I'm still – well, I still I still laugh hysterically. That's that's, that's inside. A, that's thinking about the day. John Cohen hiring Hugh Freeze. <laughs> this is a story for another day. All right, he takes the job and immediately hires a guy that I don't think he would ever hire under any other circumstances. No, you're right. You're right. All right. Uh, tomorrow, Friday being Good Friday, Robbie and I are going to take the day off on this one. Uh, so we will there'll be no Friday podcast. We'll be back with you. Uh, on Sunday, or I guess uh, early, early Monday morning, maybe late, late Sunday evening, after we get all our Easter stuff done with our families. Uh, so we'll be back then to recap what happened in Tuscaloosa, talk a little spring football, and uh, probably a whole lot more as we go along. So, guys, have a great Easter, and Robbie and I will be back with you very soon. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.